Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Of the helmet. I am Chad Parsons, and we've got a high-impact, series-centric show this week. Wanted to go through a few of the responses I got on Twitter a while back because we all go through dynasty struggles, and this is about your biggest one in terms of your dynasty portfolio. And I want to talk through some of these scenarios, some of these deficiencies that we all have. Uh, the first one is from Mr. Goodcat over there on Twitter. He says, "I will not trade my studs for future picks." So if this is a word of caution about not trading your studs for future picks or uh, just challenging uh, others to to not do the same, absolutely. Um, this is one where we talk about it all the time. If you have one of those players, uh, especially if it's at a critical position, just dealing for future picks, there really is no limit to what someone can offer you that you should have a ton of pause slash saying no that you need to get something tangible in return. I mention all the time the phrase two-way go or three-way go or something of that ilk if you've been listening to UTH for any span of time, especially over on the premium side. Talk about that for the subscribers a lot. But what that means is can you make a trade? And here's an example. Let's say you're trading a younger wide receiver for an older wide receiver and a pick. So this is different than trading a stud for just future picks. Let's say... It is Jalen Waddell for Cooper Cup and a first-round pick, just to create an example scenario. So yes, you're getting a lot older at wide receiver, but you have an environment where Cooper Cup could pace or even surpass in a smaller-term window the single-season production of Jalen Waddell. So you have a two-way go, which means you have two chances to win that deal. That yes, a future first may not on face value supersede the value of Jalen Waddle right now, the profile, but at least you have a chance. If Cooper Cup falls off the radar, again, I don't think that's uh, highly likely considering his profile, even entering year 30 here, but I think that it's one where if Cooper Cup does not provide requisite value to come close to Jalen Waddle in the next one to two years, you still have that pick to make a trade, to pick a player that works out, and, and supplement something else on your team to win the deal or at least level the deal. So that's why I call you have two legitimate chances, not just any chances. We're not talking about a waiver wire, waiver wire money or you know something that is you know third round pick. Yes, technically that counts. It's something in the deal, but it's not something that you would consider a decent odds where a first round pick would be. So I think, again, Mr. Goodcat brings up a, a quality point, which is it's easier to say and harder to actually execute this over and over again because sometimes depth teases you. Sometimes getting two or three things, you're like, oh, you know, look at this or, oh, look at all these first round, second round picks. And Jordan and I on on our trading sections of football guys or dynasty think tanks, we talk about this all the time, that when you get the allure of picks, that it can work out. We always talk about the secondary aspect of a deal, the cascading effect, which is, oh, look at this trade. As part of the deal, I got 105, I got a future first, I got a second. And yes, those picks, we kind of translate them into this would be the way to optimize it and trade it for a specific player or profile at that price point. 
However, we know that sometimes you keep those picks, you draft rookies, they don't work out, and it can turn into a bag of nothing, you know, all those picks on the back end. But if you shop them, if you uh, foster them, if you keep them warm like a, like a chicken egg, you know, in your, in your hen house, you can, you can end up uh, cracking something that really is high value in the future where that future first could turn into a high first, that future first could turn into a later first, but you trade it for a pick the following year, it turns into a high one, or you trade it for a veteran and that profile works out. There's a lot of ways to do um, a deal like that where right now it's just sitting as a 24 first. And I think it's it's a little bit more difficult to grade the deal outright and all the way until that pick comes to fruition, whether that's a, uh, a rookie that you drafted or it turns into a veteran or part of another package. Next one here is from Jason Aguirre. And I remember Aguirre being, uh, I'm trying to remember the basketball player, Detroit Pistons, I believe, one of those bad boy uh, guys uh, at their peak. He says, picking a direction and sticking to it. It's a big one, uh, especially at the outset with your startup team. And then, you know, we've. it seems like every league I'm in, you see a startup draft and a team might go one direction, at least one team in your league. And within 12 to 18 months, they're pivoting. Whether that's, oh, I thought this was a contender. Win now team. And then they, they shred it all down. Or it's a team that uh, you know loaded up. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they loaded up with future picks, inflating themselves, not a bad strategy. And then they trade those future picks in for current production. So again, there's a good and bad way to do this. But I think when you start to make trades in a bunch of different directions, yes, it can hurt your team. And I also preach a lot. Well, preach is a, a strong word, but I, I, I discuss a lot about making sure that you aren't just trading to trade. You know, a key question is always, well, what's your purpose? What's your goal? What's your aim with this trade, but also the trades in general you're doing in your dynasty portfolio or specifically with this team? Is it to upgrade a weak spot in your lineup? Is it to add depth at a critical position? Is it to profile upgrade? Is it to start, you know, you're, you're a strong team and you're creating double lineup theory, double lineup threshold there. So picking a direction and sticking to it. I would also say that this has to do with, you know, your approach. You know, picking a direction might be, well, you know, I, I draft towards pedigree and profile in my, in my rookie draft. Well, every once in a while, does it seep in where, oh, I'm drafting for need. You know, I don't know if that's a good thing, you know, or it's like, you know, you read something or you listen to a podcast and you're like, oh, well, this offseason, it's all about uh, getting more running backs in my roster. OK, so I'm going to do that. But then the next offseason, you're like, oh, this is someone was talking about, you know, that the tight ends are making a comeback. You know, I'm going to get a few more tight ends on my roster. So, And then you're cutting, you know, the previous adjustment you were making, which is getting more running backs or, or creating a, a different plus minus ratio for running backs to wide receivers. But now you're switching over running backs to tight ends. So that, that flip-flopping, you know, picking a direction and it, there's, there's four or five different prongs in dynasty you could use this for. But I, I do think a, an overall sweeping change that you make, you need to be careful about doing it in large scale. Yes, you can fix any problem. You can uh, optimize things. And it's not to say that I don't have agendas, uh, in an off season or a little span of time, uh, like between the NFL draft and week one of things I'm trying to do for my team. But I wouldn't say it's a graphic overhaul other than an orphan takeover situation. And I would say, actually, you know, that's where you, you need to pick a direction and stick to it because you're revamping a team that wasn't yours. You know, that we, we get in, into an existing situation. We had our startup draft last year, five years ago. It doesn't matter. But the point is we've been there every day. 
we've clocked in <laughs> the nine to five. And so every single player on your roster was, was a decision made by you. And I think that's a lot easier to evolve and work your way through as opposed to, you know, you walk into a, walking into an orphan dynasty roster and yes, you kind of know what you're getting into. It's kind of like going to a party that, okay, I know Jessica's going to be there. I know, uh, you know, Bob and Mark and, you know, you're going to know some people, but there's still a lot of stuff going on that you don't know. You open that door and it could be craziness. Uh, there could be, could be monkeys there. There could be, uh, you know, some, some high stakes, uh, high stakes poker game. Uh, there could be some stuff going on in the jacuzzi. You have no idea what you're walking into. And that's kind of like an orphan situation. You know something about it. Okay. It's at Bob's apartment and we're going to go over there and I know three or four people. But there might be 20 people you don't know. And it's like a dynasty roster where you're like, I don't want these people. I don't want these players. But I hope that they turn into something else. Can I trade these two strangers for someone that I, you know, a, a friend adjacent, acquaintance? Um, so that, that I think is key in terms of making sure you have your sights set on what your philosophy is. And obviously, you're going to have to make more moves typically in an orphan situation so that you get your team on track, if you will. Uh, let's do one more here in segment one of the show. And this is from Nick. Struggling to look at guys like Tim Patrick or Dwayne, uh, Trey McBride as starters in a start 12 league. So he's talking about deep rosters, deep, deep lineups as well. And, and the interesting part is I've, I've seen some formats out there on some big box platforms where they start 10, 11, 12 players and the roster size is still in like the mid 20s. That's, that's tough to navigate. You know, that is a very shallow bench but let's assume, you know, there actually is time to breathe uh, roster spots that can supplement, you know, and are applicable, in my opinion, for a start 12 league. And this is where we talk about, you know, focusing on studs heavily and almost solely when it's start eight, nine, somewhere in that, that range or even 10. But when you get up to 12, I mean, that that is where uh, one thing that I have adjusted a little bit, which is I soften in a start 12. I soften the running back stance just a little bit, depending on what the waiver wire is going to look like at specifically wide receiver. Because when you need an ancillary guy, the wide receivers come more into play. Uh, the wide receiver two for a team, even the wide receiver three from, say, a dominant passing game in the off in the NFL. And so that's where, you know, someone like Tim Patrick and he's come back from injury and Trey McBride is even going to start or, or see a lot of snaps if uh, Zach Ertz is right. Um, but I get the premise. I get the the sentiment here from Nick, which is there's a new level that you have to be used to. Like if you're used to playing redraft and FFPC, it's pretty shallow. You know, you can your view and prism of the waiver wire and what that value is, is a lot different than a 28 man roster. It's a lot different than a 40 man roster, as Jordan and I uh, with our deep league. And so you have to get used to all those different thresholds. And so the same thing occurs when you have different lineup requirements where you're like, oh, this guy isn't a starter. Well, you go over to another league and he's an auto start. You know, Trey McBride in a, in a two tight end league where you start 12, you know, or there's premium scoring and you're like, hey, tight ends with a pulse, yeah, they're flex worthy, you know, and that can be the reality in some leagues. And that's why I think me as the, just to go off on one, one thing for a second, but me as a dynasty analyst, I think it's really important to play in shallower leagues. I play some that are lower 20s, and then I play some that are all the way up to 40. Uh, I think some, I, I'm in one that's 50-man rosters. Now it's full IDP, but I still think it covers the landscape uh, of, I play some Debbie, I play a little IDP, 
I play uh, two tight end with premium. I play, I have some stock leagues, uh, super flex. I'm in plenty of those, but you get the idea. Like your portfolio includes a spectrum of, of different formats. And as the dynasty analyst, I think that's very important. Like for example, someone going out there and they're recording podcasts, they're doing rankings, they're doing, you know, putting out trade advice and all of this for a super flex league. But if they don't play in a super flex league, and have their boots on the ground, I think it loses a little something. I think it's really tough to give the best advice is if you're not knee deep in the waters of that environment. You know, that's like a financial planner giving you a lot of advice. And it's like, well, do you invest? Do you even invest, bro? <laughs> uh, you know, do you have a portfolio? Are you working towards retirement? Are you working towards X, Y, and Z goals? Uh, you know, and, and things like that, I think are important because you know, saying it to others is a little different than doing it yourself in a lot of different mediums. You know, like, well, I've read, I've read a lot of books on repairing car engines. Well, if you've never gotten your hands greasy and, and done it yourself and revamped a car and got into the hood, it, it, I think it's a little tougher. You know, it's just a little tougher to uh, have that resume of confidence and that resume of trust. So, uh, again, I think I just think on the, the side note for, for what Nick was referencing is, you got to play in some deep leagues. You got to play in some shallow leagues. And again, that's as a dynasty analyst. Now you as the dynasty player, if that's the sole thing you do is, hey, I'm grinding my own leagues. I'm not producing content. I'm not giving advice to others by and large. You know, it's not my my grind. It's not my thing. And if that's the case, play whatever leagues you want. You know, what's your sweet spot? What's your honey hole? And I do think it is a good thing to find your niche and get better within that before you branch out. Like if you joined your first league in 2022, it's like, okay, this is a stock one quarterback league, you know, and then and then you get one season under your belt and you're like, wow, I love this. I'm going to go to Superflex and I'm going to go to uh, two tight end and, and Debbie and all this stuff. And I don't know if you have a sample size yet of saying, well, I've kind of refined, I've learned dynasty and I've also learned to really get good at a certain format. I think there's something to that about adding to it once you get to a higher level at at one thing because dynasty applies to all these different types of formats but each one offers a little something new so i think you need to be careful and i'm not saying you have to go five years and it's like well i've only played in Superflex alone and that's the only twist for five years because chad said to focus on it and now i feel like i'm good now i can move on it doesn't have to be that slow either i just mean you want to make sure as you're going through, you get a good working knowledge and understanding of the formats you're in before you branch out and, you know, the, the kind of ADD of just this is new, this is new, bright, 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 shiny colors. You need to be careful that that's going to be what you're uh, just at all times you're adding new stuff and new stimuli to your portfolio. I think that can be a little bit overwhelming and a bit much, um, as they say, because I think back and for, you know, I did some things in terms of auction keepers and uh, some different variety of formats, but the actual lineups and scoring were all pretty similar. It was all, you know, back in 2010, 12, you know, that, that time frame, it was all one quarterback. Tight end premium was not a thing, you know, at least for a few years. You know, I didn't, it's not that I never heard of it. I knew FFPC had that scoring, but at that time it was not playing it. And it took a little bit of time before I got into um, some bigger positional premiums and a little bit of Debbie and things like that. So I had a few years of just kind of building up my working knowledge of team building strategy uh, within the regular stock format prism.
minute tell you about the offerings over at patreon.com slash uth it's the easiest way to get more dynasty content from myself chad parsons and connect with some of the best dynasty owners on the planet so in addition to getting bonus exclusive dynasty content over there some of the most recent uh, pieces of content did some vip dynasty format questions over as a bonus show a week ago tim torch and i do a feature show every single week um, but I've looked at things like when a draft goes sideways, I share my stories of dynasty trading as well as dynasty startup drafting. I'm doing some of those this summer. I looked at the best and worst values by position at the most recent startup draft and my five biggest takeaways of my most recent startup draft journey, uh, looking at the player value market. Always want to stay plugged in there. This week, we've got exclusive content coming out. One uh, huge piece on Chris Godwin, a VIP strategy session where got a request. Uh, that's the great thing about the VIP chat is got a request for the Safe League's waiver wire that is coming up this week. So make sure you don't miss it. Uh, depending on the format over there at Safe Leagues, you're going to be able to start the waiver wire journey this summer. And I go over in depth all the skill positions and the priority levels for some of the uh, players I've seen that are of interest on my waiver wire in that applicable format. We talk about uh, bidding strategy. And again, I go over that because that was a request, but it's a very uh, good example of, of what it's like over there to make a request uh, in the VIP chat, which if you're in the all pro tier, I'll remind you, got some rookie draft, drafts coming up. You could still get a copy of the 2023 UTH rookie uh strategy and draft guide there, a free copy by signing up at the All Pro tier. Plus, you get a full month uh, of, of access to the VIP chat. And that has been broken off into four or five different rooms, startup drafts. We got rookie drafts. Uh, you can suggest VIP show topics, the waiver wire, which is going to heat up in August and, and through the season like no other. And then, of course, we've got uh, a Debbie chat room, NFL News. We post stuff in there, but it's really heating up. Uh, people are getting uh, hands-on help with their startup draft. And honestly, I would say that's, that's my favorite thing is seeing folks go through a startup draft journey, but being in the VIP chat and we're all helping each other. We're all talking through scenarios uh, about team building, about trading, and about different zones and pockets, optimizing each position. Um, and that's really been a welcome sight to see. And then, of course, going through things like uh, examining dynasty trades uh, with some some uh, patron-only shows. So that's at patreon.com slash U-T-H. And again, try it out. Now Now for the main show uh, with, with Tim Torch, you can actually do a seven-day trial. You can go back and listen to the, some of the shows Tim and I have done. You can get access to the ones that come out on Tuesday nights. And that's a free trial. Um, so that's something new by Patreon that I'm going to try out there for the uh, for one of the lower tiers there, where you get access to the the weekly uh, weekly show with Tim and I, but the exclusive ones, the higher level ones, again, sign up. You're going to get access to the VIP chat as well as a copy of the draft uh, draft guide. So a lot of perks there. Back to a couple more in terms of dynasty deficiencies here. This is from A Rich, and he mentions uh, knowing how many chips push in for a contender. And uh, he also mentions, I've been a firm believer in extending the window given the luck factor of the playoffs. That's true. I, I do think you need to be careful pushing your chips all in. And the common phrase we always say is, you got to make a dynasty trade. That yes, it can be boosting a contending window, uh, boosting a contender. And you know the, the mantras of flags fly forever and, and all that for a current season. That the only season you can win is, win is this one. 
but extending your window. And that's why I like to look at players that are in multi-year windows. That's why I like to assess the profile because when you get an elite profile, a good example would be someone like Cooper Cup, Mike, Mike Evans, guys that are 30 at wide receiver, Devontae Adams, they are still a multi-year window play. And I think sometimes in dynasty leagues, the, the the team with those assets might view them as one-year plays, and especially when you get to October and the team's falling out of it. Team, the, the team with them starts at two and four. They're like, ah, I'm out of it. I got to sell this old guy. And you may be able to get a deal. You might be able to basically get a price that is like a one-year rental price. And yet it's a profile that is a multi-year window. So that's one thing I would point out about this subject and the other part is if you use your first round pick, and this is something that I've learned over the years because I made the mistake, but I've also done it the right way in my opinion, which is if you give your future first round pick, it can absolutely be for a contending piece, but it still needs to be under that prism of a multi-year window. So yes, you can help yourself this year. Yes, you can help yourself for a mid-season push for the playoffs and beyond. However, you still need to be making a trade with that first round pick, knowing it's a chip, even if it's a late first, you were giving that to a team, probably not contending and probably looking ahead to the following year already. So that's what they want. How many teams are just selling their first? And the answer is probably not many. And so they have limited audience for to get what they want. And what you want is production. And you can leverage that. And you might even be able to trade back from the first to second round and still get what you want. You might be able to trade that first round pick and get two pieces that are on multi-year windows and contending elements. So just remember that you might think that they have everything that everybody wants, but that older producer may not be even what some of your other contenders are looking for. They may be pushed off by that age. They may not want to give up their first round pick. And if you are open to that, that's an opportunity for you to ask for even more, for you to play hard to get because you know there's a finite, you know, the teams that are falling out of the playoff race, they're probably not trading their first round pick. So now you've trimmed half the league probably. And then you've got uh, maybe one or two or three others that say, eh, I'm not trading my first round pick in general. So now you're down to say three guys. And if you're if that team is selling a wide receiver or a tight end, the other, the other contenders might be good at those spots. So it may not even apply to them. So that's why I think just as a general, if you're trading a, a universally, generally, universally appealing asset in something like a future first, you need to understand that you control the deck. And if they're trading Derrick Henry or Cooper Cup or whatever it is, that you can ask for that and more and not simply trade your pick for a rental. Really assess the profile and make sure it's something that's a dynasty trade and not a redraft-centric trade. I'm going to cover one more here, and this is from John. Setting a lineup. He mentions uh, seemingly always bench and start the wrong player at the worst possible time. I have two thoughts on this. Number one, have a process. My process is going by, on MFL um, at least, or how I'm assessing, is going by start rate. Start rate, I built tables. Um, I talk about it every single week on, on UTH in some form. And it is about uh, using that historical data on what are their odds for a, a 10 plus point game, a 20 plus point game, uh, a dud game, you know, sub five points uh, at the skill positions or at wide receiver versus running back, you know, however it applies, you know, and looking at quarterback as well. But looking at those start rate thresholds, and then also looking at the average points per game. There are some thresholds that you want to adhere to. So having a process and pragmatically doing it, because 
it is a dicey business. You know, I mean, we're talking about a one game sample size that could be affected by a partial game missed by injury. Um, you know, a rogue, a rogue got lost in coverage touchdown. There is so much white noise to what can happen with a singular. I started this guy and I benched this guy. And then you go back on Monday and you're like, oh, that cost me 12 points and I lost by six. It's very easy to create these little partitioned storylines for for how things occurred and you're like well i'm never trusting that that projection guy again you know or i'm never making that decision or this wide receiver is always on my bench now you know they came up small in the big spot so that would be one thing is is have a process for me it's looking at start rate and for me it is almost universally following start rate um here's the other thing that i think goes unnoticed and this is the perfect time to to consider this um this not agenda, but this this uh, to do list item, which is if you upgrade your lineup or guys that are really close to your lineup, you know if you start three wide receivers and you're improving your top four as opposed to having two guys you trust and four or five guys who are like, eh, I don't know what I got. If you upgrade and get more auto start players, your lineup becomes easier to set. And I don't know how many times you know you're going to sit there and if you have a stud, like let's say you start Patrick Mahomes or you start Justin Jefferson or Christian McCaffrey or, um, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey, and you go, I mean, if they go come up small, are you going to say, uh, start the wrong guy? <laughs> I doubt it. So so that's a, a, a good point of saying, if you get to a certain line, like I never besmirch, you know, Mike Evans, you know, for example. I know some people do, the high variance wide receiver, if you will. But these guys that I know are capable of big time games I'm fine with the five point game. You know, I'm fine with the two catches, you know, from time to time because I know they can put up 30 plus and not everyone can. So there's a couple different ways to look at this. You know, the, I seemingly always bench the wrong guy, you know, and start the wrong guy. Part of it is maybe, you know, try to upgrade your lineup, try to upgrade the number of guys you have that you have high confidence and you're not going to have these feelings about. If, if you chose poorly as the as the, the line goes in Indiana Jones, that you're not going to feel bad about it. You're not going to go into dust as the movie goes. You are going to, uh, you know, just know that that's part of it. You know, in certain positions, uh, whether it's missed time during the game or it's just the high variance nature of what a touchdown means at, at certain positions, that's the way the oblong ball bounces. So I think I think we have to give ourselves a lot more latitude for what is considered good and bad. Know that it's high variance business, uh, setting the actual lineup, the one-off weekly machinations in season. And then the, the final part is we should all be working on improving our lineup. If it's start three wide receivers, have a nice tight three, four, five. Uh, and that's going to make lineup decisions easier as opposed to, well, I got one guy that I put in my lineups and then a bunch of question marks. Well, yeah. I mean, if you got seven guys you're choosing from for two or three spots, good luck getting that right. Yeah, you're going to pick the wrong guy a lot <laughs> just based on, you know, if they're all, you know, if they're all between wide receiver 30 and 60, good luck. Good luck getting that ordering right, because you know what? The quote-unquote professionals that are doing projections and all this don't get it right either. <laughs> so uh, it, it's you, you really need to have A, patience, B, understanding, and C, uh, the, the, the fix is addressing that through dynasty trading. The, the, the fix is improving and, and refining and optimizing and consolidating your spots into more predictable, especially wide receivers. Can you get an auto start tight end as opposed to two, three guys you're, you're whipping through matchups? If you don't have one cornerstone guy in super flex at quarterback, yeah, it's going to make, you know, parsing out who the best two of, of three or four guys a lot more difficult, <laughs> a lot more difficult. So that would be my final point there is uh, making sure you are, um, you know, looking at it through that prism of, 
you know, refining your process, sticking with a process that for me pragmatically makes sense is start rate, which includes hundreds and thousands of people making decisions across their leagues. And when a guy has a 92% start rate and another guy has a 75% start rate, you better have a really darn good reason. It's probably going to be a late in the week injury, uh, something, something that's affecting his playing status or he's going to be he's going to be limited this game or you know whatever it is you better have a really darn good reason to put the 75 percent guy in over the 92 percent guy yeah better and the only time i see start rate really get wonky is when you have a ambiguous injury situation and especially at running back you'll see this where you don't find out the true start rate until monday or or after kickoff obviously where it's, you know, the, the backup will be sitting there at 22% or something like that. And the starter is still at 60, 70%, even though they have some risk. And you don't see that flip-flop and the, the backup actually ends up at 55% and the other guy ends up at 20% because people didn't yank him out of their lineups enough. But you don't see the true, that's one thing where you have to project. That's the one thing with start rate is a lot of times that running back situation will lag um, or a late, a late week ambiguous situation will lag in terms of what that true start rate is, uh, at least from the sites that I have referenced and, and resourced during the year. Been out and what's been coming out at UTHDynasty.com? Well, a lot of premium podcasts. Uh, that has been what's on the dial. I've mentioned over the past couple of weeks, one of my biggest projects was looking at expected top 12, top 24 seasons remaining at the wide receiver and running back position, as well as top six and top 12 for tight end and quarterback. And for me, this is the new look at, at age because age is just a number, you know, like, would you, it's a rhetorical question, but would you rather have, it's rhetorical, well, maybe not for everybody, that would you rather have a 30 year old that has two expected top 24 seasons remaining, or would you rather have a 24 year old with one uh, expected top 24 season remaining? If you answer the 24-year-old, you know, you are really sensitive to age and you use the market, I would say, as a guidepost to what you should be doing with your teams. If you pick the 30-year-old with more and double in this scenario, expected uh, quality seasons and starter seasons and probably high-level seasons remaining, then uh, again, you are focused on winning championships and building your team, not everybody else's team. Uh, so going through that, uh, that's been a massive undertaking. It pretty much paused my uh, content producing world for about a week um, at UTH. But honestly, late May, June, July, it's the perfect time to get uh, one of these giant projects done. And I was able to do that. Um, so really proud of that and what that did to the UTH rankings. All those have been updated on the site as well as the UTH trade calculator values. But what that also means is that putting out a deluge, especially at wide receiver and running back so far, of uh, these three, four, five-minute shows where I go through, I show my work, I talk about the comps, and, and where these players sit in expected top 24, top 12 seasons remaining. Uh, just to ramble off some that are divisive, you know, that, that I think you need to have a take on this offseason. Guys like Jamison Williams out uh, in the queue. You got uh, Marquise Brown. Uh, Michael Gallup and, and Brandon Cooks, where do they sit? You know, battling for wide receiver two, wide receiver three roles there in Dallas. Juju Schuster, Chris Godwin. We've got uh, Alec Pierce, Mike Williams, uh, with the addition of Quentin Johnston there with the Chargers. Uh, Cedric Tillman, I go over some rookies as well. Jerry Judy, uh, improving his profile from 12 months ago to now. McCole Hardman uh, is coming out later uh, later in the next few days, uh, running backs, Javante Williams being one, DeAndre Swift, a big name, Cam Akers, Austin Eckler, just a ton of guys. And these are, again, you can go in there, you can quickly see the name and be like, oh, you know, I'm thinking of trading for or away this player. Let me get the take. Let me get the three to five minute uh, blurb and historical study on these players. So that has been a point of emphasis these summer months. 
uh, of getting this content out, um, as well as, again, being super timely and updated with anything that changes. If that's Dalvin Cook related, if DeAndre Hopkins goes to a depth chart uh, soon, then these are going to be moving and mobile situations for UTH Dynasty player value. So you can sign up, General Manager Plus. You get all these podcasts right into your feed, uh, right into your RSS for uh, any podcasting device and app of choice. Thank you so much for listening. I am Chad Parsons, and until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, keep building those dynasties.